All right, let's switch gears uh, just for a little bit. Um, We're going to start a new series today. And uh, we're going to talk about something that is um, really hard. Uh, It's really challenging. And it's something that we, um, every single one of us faces uh, every single day. Um, What do we do when we collide with other people, right? When you uh, butt heads with somebody else at work, when you have a tiff with somebody, right? Um, When maybe you say something harsh uh, to them or they say something harsh to you and there's a whole lot more behind those harsh words um, than is acknowledged. Uh, When somebody doesn't meet your expectations and it upsets you when maybe you don't meet someone else's expectations, and it upsets them when, when it turns into a full-blown argument, right? A full-blown conflict and there's a battle of wills and you sort of go head to head and you make your case and they make their case and you agree to disagree, but you're not still really agreeing on anything. What happens when we collide uh, with other people? And uh, it's, it's almost as if we're, we're driving through life, right? And, uh, and we have these collisions. They're like uh, car accidents, but they're not like car accidents because they don't just happen once or twice in our lives. It's more like bumper cars, right? You, anybody bumper cars, right? Growing up, right? The amusement park. Do they still have those at Elitz Gardens? I don't know either because I've never been, but they should because bumper cars are awesome and you get in them, but the whole idea is to bump with, like you can't even go 10 seconds without colliding with, isn't that what conflict is mostly like? Because think about it, have you been, um, has there been a day in your life recently where you have had zero conflict with anyone else? Like just stop and pause for a second. Has there been a day recently where there has been no unkind words you've said to anyone else? Nobody said unkind words to you. You haven't had an unkind thought about anyone else. They haven't had an unkind thought about you. There was zero tension, zero stress, zero bad looks, zero uh, you know, hurt emotions. Have you ever had a day like that? Right? No. I mean, we never have day. Like, it's like every single day we go through our lives, there's something that happens. We somehow collide with other people. And sometimes it's small stuff, right? Um, it can be, uh, you know, again, you, you kind of say something or somebody says something to you and it wasn't that big of a deal and you sort of walk away from it and it doesn't feel like it's a big deal. Sometimes it's silly stuff. Um, in college, I remember I had three roommates and uh, we lived in this apartment. And I remember one time um, we, uh, we, we had this argument. We didn't actually talk about it, but we had this sense that it was somebody else's turn to do the dishes, right? You know how that works? And uh, everybody thinks it's somebody else's turn. We don't remember who did them last, but we think it's somebody else. And so we just slowly let the dishes pile up and nobody said anything about it. We all just all resolved deep down in our hearts, I'm not gonna be the one to give in and go do the dishes. And so we're all waiting for someone else and they just piled up higher and higher so much so that you know there's the two sides of the sink and then you couldn't even move the faucet back and forth because that's how high they were and then it got so bad that we ran out of dishes so I would go in and I would grab like a bowl and a spoon to eat cereal because that's what you eat in college right to eat cereal and I would have to go into the bathroom to wash them so that I could eat and it's like all of us we never said anything but it was all happening there so sometimes it's silly stuff like that right Uh, But sometimes it's big stuff. I mean, it can turn into those sort of knock down, drag out, serious conversations, heated arguments, really hard, like like this is gonna change the friendship kind of arguments. 
where you say things you don't mean, right? I wish you weren't my parents, right? You ever said that? Or you start to realize that things have built up so big and, and you keep having the same fight and the same conflict over and over and over and you finally get to the point where it's not going away and it's just getting worse and worse and you begin to think like, if you're not gonna change, then I don't know if we can keep being married. Right? Sometimes it's those kind of things. Now, we, I think, approach conflict um, in a couple of different ways. Because conflict can be hard, because it can be damaging, because it can be hurtful, especially when it gets to those big ones, I think we approach conflict in a couple of different ways. Um, and these are open for simplifications, but um, two general ways. Some of us are conflict avoiders, right? How many conflict avoiders we have in the room? Come on, let's just get them up high, right? Some of us just avoid conflict and, we're, you know, and we avoid it in a couple of different ways, actually. Some of us avoid conflict by just avoiding people, right? You just you kind of withdraw from people and you still have to see people. So you see them, but you realize that the closer you get to people, the more chance there is for conflict. And when you let people get close to you, then they always end up hurting you. And so you just kind of decide at some point in your life, I'm just not gonna let anybody get close to me anymore. I'm not gonna get close to anyone. And you withdraw from people. But the problem with that is it destroys you in the process. It destroys who you could be, who you should be, who God designed you to be. I love what C.S. Lewis says about this. He wrote this in one of his books called The Four Loves. Um, he said, there's no safe investment. To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything in your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you wanna make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perturbations of love is hell. You see, you can try to avoid conflict by never really getting close to anyone around you, but when you do, you don't just insulate yourself, you isolate yourself, and you destroy yourself in the process. Now, some of us avoid conflict by just being nice to everybody around us, by always trying to please everyone around us. And if somebody ever says something or does something that hurts your feelings, you just don't tell them about it, right? You just kind of take it and stuff it down deep inside because if you say anything, then they might get upset at you or they might have emotions and you just don't want to deal with all that emotional stuff and you don't want anyone ever being mad at you or upset with you or frustrated with you. And so we take the emotions we feel or we take the little slights we feel or we take the unmet expectations we feel and we just kind of push it deep down inside. What do you think happens to all of that disappointment and that frustration? It eventually turns into anger and it eventually turns into resentment and undealt with conflict in one relationship will eventually start to leak its way into other relationships and other parts 
of our lives. How many of you have had this situation where you come to work and uh, a boss or a coworker comes to work and it's clear like something is wrong with this person and something's going, and they're just mean to everybody and they're mad and it's like, wow, everybody's going, man, he is grouchy today or she is grouchy and I don't know what's going on in their personal life or I don't know what's going on at home, but stay away from them, right? Everyone can kind of see it. Or the flip is also an off, often also true. How many of us have come home and uh, somebody comes home from work and it's like, something's wrong. And you can tell right away and it's like, what happened at work today? I don't want to talk about it, right? And they come home the next day and it's like, I don't want to talk about it. And everybody at home realizes like, stay away from dad or stay away from mom, like just tiptoe around them because clearly something is wrong and we are now suffering the consequences of a conflict that we're not even involved in. Right? Because undealt with conflict, when we take those emotions or we take those things and we push them down inside, it eventually leaks its way into every other area and aspect of our lives. Now, Jesus actually had something to say about this one day, and it was so important that we're going to take just one short thing he said about it, and we're going to spend the next few weeks just thinking about it and talking about it and working our way through it. He was actually teaching his disciples. And so remember, he gathered these disciples, and he was talking to them one day, and then some other people gathered around, and it ended up being this large crowd he was talking to. And look at one of the things he said. This is from Matthew chapter 5. He had just been talking about people that were maybe angry, and he says this. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar... And remember, I want to stop there for a second. Remember, Jesus was Jewish, and his followers and the people listening to him were Jewish. So in this context, that meant when you go to Jerusalem, and in Jerusalem, there was this massive temple, and in front of the temple, the temple was a place where they worshiped God, and they thanked God, and all this. And in front of the temple was a massive altar. And the altar was the thing that they would bring their gifts to, and they would often bring sacrifices, and these sacrifices in their culture, remember different culture than ours, they would bring these, um, these animals to sacrifice to God, or sometimes they would bring grain or fruit or produce or something like that. But in bringing these gifts to the altar, they were in essence saying, I am here to worship you, God. I'm here to pray with you. I'm here to meet with you. I'm here to celebrate the, the grace and the peace and the wholeness that you are giving to me me and so I'm offering this gift to you and it's a symbol of our relationship and so Jesus is saying look if you go to the altar and you're bringing a gift to to the altar to meet with God and to worship him and spend time with him and then he continues and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you leave your gift there in front of the altar and first go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. So if you're approaching God in any way, and if Jesus was here and he was translating this to our context, I think he would probably say, so if you're coming to church on Sunday, if you're singing worship songs to God, if you're ever praying to God, or maybe you're at home, maybe you get up and you open your Bible and you're gonna read it for a couple of minutes at the beginning of the day and you're just gonna sort of pray for God's blessings. If you're ever meeting with God, approaching God, seeking God out, singing to God, praying to God, uh, uh, giving to God, giving some of your time or your energy or money for him and his work, if you're ever connecting with God and in the midst of that, you realize 
there's something between you and somebody else. And he says a brother or sister, and that could mean somebody else within the community of faith. It could just mean somebody close to you, a loved one, a friend, a coworker, someone that you interact with regularly. In the midst of being sort of coming to God to meet with him, you remember there's something between you and somebody else, an undealt with conflict. Jesus says, just stop right there. God doesn't want to see you or talk to you or hear your prayers. He doesn't want your gift. He doesn't want your interaction at that moment. He wants you to actually go deal with this thing first. And doesn't that seem harsh? Right? Doesn't that seem kind of harsh that he would say that? And the reason is, I think, because Jesus gets the same thing that you and I already intuitively know. If there's a conflict with one person that's been undealt with, It impacts all the other relationships in our lives. It impacts all the other areas of our lives, including your relationship with God. So much so that God would say, and God's not mad, right? He's not being petty. God's not like, well, if you don't deal with this and I'm mad at you and I want you to go deal with that first before you come. No, that's not it at all. God actually cares about you and he loves you and he's concerned with you and he knows that you can't really experience the fullness of a relationship with him and you can't receive what he has to offer you. He wants to offer you peace and wholeness and forgiveness and grace and love and for you to experience those things. And what he knows is where you actually need to experience those things right now is not here, it's here. The very location and place you need to experience those things is in this undealt with conflict or this broken relationship with this other person. You see, these two things are connected. Our vertical relationship with God and our horizontal relationships with other people, they're inherently connected. And God knows that the best place for us to experience all the things that he wants us to experience between him and us is oftentimes in our relationships with other people. So if you want to connect vertically, he's saying make sure you're connected horizontally with us because that's the place where the rubber meets the road. That's the place where you really need to experience grace and forgiveness and wholeness in your life. But that's hard if you're a conflict avoider, right? That's hard if you're just avoiding or you're scared to death of conflict all the time. Now, let me pause for a second, because some of you fall into a different category. You're not conflict avoiders, you're conflict relishers, right? You know who you are, you love a good conflict, right? I mean, that, that's what you need to get going every day. Like, you just, you, you're one of those people that's a, sort of a confrontational people, person, um, you, you're a contrarian, um, you, you just are always sort of uh, kind of getting into it with other people, and um, in fact, you kind of draw energy from it, like it's, it's kind of gets you, it's, it's like a cup of coffee for you. Like, you can't get going throughout the day until you've had a good argument with somebody else. And for you, it's not even really about conflict. You don't see it that way. You see it about sort of justice or about fairness or about being right. You just see all these problems with the world. You see problems with other people. You see problems with systems. You see problems at work. And you're just there to fix all the problems, right? And so you're always pointing out all the issues and you're trying to make sure everybody gets their fair amount and you're trying to do all And so for you, it's, it's almost passion or it's, it's fueling your convictions or what you see with the world. And we love that about you. We need you in the world to challenge the system and to raise those questions and to make sure people get what's right and all those kind of things. But 
If I could stop and I could go ask all of your coworkers, or I could ask all of your family, what's it really like to work with them? What's it really like to live with them all the time? And if they could answer me honestly, without any fear of repercussion, they might say, you know, it seems like he just always has to be right. It seems like she always has to be right. It, it, seems, like, it, it seems like he will turn a, mount, a, a molehill into a mountain, basically. He'll take the smallest things and he'll create an argument or he'll create a conflict. And then he always has to get his way. I've just learned with her not to fight because if I fight, it just makes the conflict go on longer. And she will keep fighting until she wins, right? And you might be sitting here and you might be thinking, well, I'm not that bad. And the person sitting next to you is trying really hard not to make eye contact right now, right? Or maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, part of it is I am right most of the time. And if, I, if, they could, if people would just listen to me, and if they would stop fighting all the time, it would be really simple. I'd just tell them what's right and they would agree with me and we'd do it. Like it would be that simple, right? But here's the challenge. If you're one of those people or you think you just might possibly be one of those people, here's a challenge. Jesus didn't say, hey, if you're there to meet with God and you remember that there's something between you and someone else, go to that someone else and be right. That's not what he said. Go to that other person and win the argument. Go to that other person and make sure you make your case. Go to that other person and make sure they get what they deserve. That's not what Jesus said, right? He didn't say go and be right. He said go and be reconciled. And there's a world of difference between being right and being reconciled. Let's put this on the screen real quick. Being right is about the argument and winning the argument. Being reconciled is about winning the relationship. Being right is about getting your way. Being reconciled is about getting along. Being right is about making your case. Being reconciled is about making peace. <laughs> And unfortunately, a lot of us are way more concerned with making our case, with winning the argument, than we are with making peace or winning the relationship. So, so what if we changed our paradigm? What if we took this challenge of Jesus really seriously? What if we began to see the conflicts that we have in our lives or the, the issues that we have between other people or where a relationship isn't going well? What if we actually began to see that as an opportunity? What if it's not something to be avoided or something to sort of stuff down deep inside because it's so scary or it's, or it's not something to just charge in and always make our case and win our argument and be right and make sure everyone knows we're right. What if we saw it as an opportunity to actually experience what God has for us? It's such a good opportunity that Jesus said, hey, hey, if you're meeting with God and there's this thing going on, this is a way better opportunity to experience what God has in your life. You need to go and deal with that, not this. Don't come to church. Don't sing your songs. Don't keep praying your prayers. Go deal with that. That's where God is focused. That's where God wants to work in your life. That's where God wants to reveal himself 
to you. Now, let me sort of just pull all this together and summarize it. Two truths and a question, right? Not three truths and a lie. Two truths and a question. Number one, first truth, dealing with conflict is hard. I'd love for you to write these down because that first one is like so profound. You didn't know that before, did you? Dealing with conflict is hard, right? It's so obvious, but it's so important to acknowledge that. Isn't that where we have to start? Isn't that where we have to remind ourselves? Yeah, it's hard. It's messy. It's complex. It takes so much humility to deal with conflict. It takes so much patience. It takes so much courage. It's hard. And I'm not good at it. I'll be the first to admit, I'm not, I swing back and forth. I'm one of those people who, for the most part, I avoid conflict. I just avoid it. And I try to stay away from it. And I try not to let anyone get close. And I try not to even touch it. But then when I do decide I should probably deal with this because it's not going away, I'll just charge in and I have to be right. So I just kind of swing back and forth. I am not good at this. This is a challenge for me. But it has to start with all of us just saying and acknowledging right up front. This is really hard. It's really hard. But here's the second truth. Dealing with conflict is necessary. It's necessary. We have to do it. If we don't, it'll poison us. That's what it does. Undealt with conflict poisons your relationships. It poisons your life. It poisons your work life if it's happening at home. It poisons your home life if it's happening at work. And if you're one of those conflict avoiders, you're already thinking, oh, why did I come to church today? Like, this is horrible. I'm definitely making plans for the next three Sundays. I will not be here, you know, right? You're just thinking about that already. Or maybe you're sitting there going, I don't really have conflict in my life. I'm glad she's listening to this, but I don't, you know, like this isn't an issue for me. Or maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, I can't deal with this right now. Like, Norton, if you knew my story, if you knew my situation, if you knew what he did to me, or if you knew what she, if, like, if you knew about this thing, you would know that I can't deal with that right now. And I mean, you're partly right. I don't know your story. I don't know your situation. And it's probably way worse than mine. And it's probably really tough. And it's probably really hard. But avoiding the conflict or saying, I can't deal with it, it's kind of like going to the doctor and saying, thanks for that diagnosis, um, but uh, can we just pretend that I don't actually have that? And can I just come back in a couple of years and maybe just kind of hope this all goes away? Right? We would never do that. If you got a serious diagnosis at the doctor, you would never do that. If the doctor ever mentioned cancer, you would never say, you know what, can we just pretend we never had this conversation and just kind of hope it all goes? You would not do that. But that's what undealt with conflict is like. It's like a cancer. And when it festers, it'll eat away at your soul and at your life and it, and it multiplies and it grows. So you gotta do, it's necessary. So necessary that Jesus said, look, hey, if you're coming to church, if you're praying to God, if you're doing all this stuff, like, and you realize there's something between you and someone else, this is how important it is. Stop what you're doing. 
and go deal with that first. It's that necessary. Go and be reconciled. Because if you want to experience and represent and celebrate the reconciliation you have with God, you got to go be reconciled with other people. Now, Jesus doesn't actually say how to be reconciled here, right? He doesn't say how to do that. And so we're going to come back over the next three weeks and we're going to walk through that. And we're going to look at some other things he has to say and some other things that people in the Bible have to say about what it looks like to try to walk through being reconciled, whether it's something really small, like somebody just made a comment and it's just kind of lingered with you and you keep thinking about it and you keep replaying your mind to the medium stuff, to the big stuff, right? You're having those imaginary conversations with people and you're winning the argument every time in your mind with them, right? Like, so how do you navigate those? And some of us are scared to death of that because maybe you tried that in the past and it did not go well, right? And you're asking all those questions. Well, how do you do that? And where do you start? And what if it's really messy? And how do you untangle everything? And how do you figure out who was wrong and who was right? And who's the one that needs to apologize? Is it me or is it them, right? Spoiler alert, 95% of the time, it's everybody, right? So we're gonna come back and we're gonna walk through how to actually do that, but I wanna close with just one simple question today. This is the only homework you have this week. Where is there conflict in your life? Where is there conflict? That's all you have to do, ask that question. Is there anybody that you need to be reconciled to? Is there anybody that you're carrying just some kind of emotions that you've, you've pushed them down, but you need to deal with them. Maybe you don't know where to start, but like I said, come back next week and, and we'll begin to talk through how to walk through these things, but don't even start this week. Maybe it's just asking that simple question, is there anybody? Is there anybody at work? Is there anyone at home? Is there somebody I need to be reconciled to? Is there somebody I've been avoiding? Is there a conflict that I've been hoping will simply go away? Is there somebody that I just have kept winning against, right? I keep making my argument and they just don't seem to keep understanding or seeing what I keep saying. Where's there conflict in your life? Where's there conflict in my life? And God, would you help us to see that? so that we can do what you asked us to do. Let me pray for us. Lord, this isn't um, an easy um, issue, but we all know deep down it's an important one. And so we simply asked that question this morning. Um, If there's somebody that you would bring to mind, would you just... Bring them to mind. And would you give us the courage to name it? Would you give us the courage to be open to what you want to do there? Would you help us this week if there are action steps you want us to take to do that? But if it's just sitting with it and reflecting and remembering the way that you dealt with conflict between us, the way you reached out and you loved us, The way the Apostle Paul says, Jesus came and he gave his life to make peace with us. You came after us in your love and in your compassion 
to make sure that we could be reconciled to you. Help us to remember how you did that for us this morning.